0: Hey, and ladies. Kristen here with a little something special for y'all today. It's a preview from another podcast I enjoy called A Slight Change of Plans. On A Slight Change of Plans, Dr. Maya Shunker, a cognitive scientist who is an expert on human behavior, examines who we are and who we become in the face of a big change. We've covered a fair share of life-changing situations and events on Unladylike, so I think you'll find the stories on a slight change of plans very relatable. They may even help you navigate the changes in your own life. In this preview, Maya sits down with civil rights icon Ruby Bridges. When Ruby was just six years old, she became the very first African-American student to desegregate William Franz Elementary, an all-white school in Louisiana. She even had to be escorted to school by U.S. Marshals to make sure she wasn't harmed by protesters along the way. This was back in the 1960s, and it would take Ruby years to understand how her monumental experience as a child changed the course of civil rights in America. Okay, here's the preview. I hope you enjoy Maya and Ruby's conversation as much as I did. You can hear the full episode and more from A Slight Change of Plans wherever you get podcasts. Mm.
1: I remember the knock at the door, and my parents opened the door, and four very tall white men were standing at the door. And I remember they had these yellow bands on their arms. And my thought then was, you know, who are they? And not really knowing, but I remember the conversation. I remember them saying, We're US Marshals, and we've been sent by the President of the United States. We're here to escort you and your daughter to school today.
2: That's Ruby Bridges, an icon of the civil rights movement. When Ruby was six years old, she became the very first African-American student to desegregate William France Elementary, an all-white school in Louisiana. She was not only the first, but also the only Black child attending the school. And U.S. Marshals had to escort Ruby there to make sure she wasn't harmed by protesters along the way. No one told Ruby how monumental this moment was, and it would be years before she would put all the pieces together and fully appreciate her role in shaping the future of civil rights in America. I thought that this was an incident that just happened
1: in my community, on my street. Mm. That's what I thought. I wasn't aware that it was so important that it changed the face of education and that people around the country were familiar with it. I did not realize that my walk, my story, was a part of a much bigger family, the civil rights family, the civil rights movement.
2: On today's show, we hear the story of how six-year-old Ruby Bridges changed the course of history. Ruby Bridges was born in 1954, the same year the U.S. Supreme Court issued its landmark ruling in Brown v. Board of Education. Up until that point, public schools were allowed to segregate on the basis of race. But in Brown v. Board, the Supreme Court declared segregated schools to be inherently unequal and ruled that it was unconstitutional to racially segregate children in public schools. Despite this ruling, states in the South resisted the court's order, and segregation continued. But eventually, a federal judge ordered the New Orleans School Board to act. And after years of resistance, they finally initiated a plan to integrate two white schools, starting with students in the first grade. Still, the board did not make it easy. They introduced a number of new requirements just for Black students. One of these requirements was an entrance exam, and nearly 140 prospective first-graders took the test. A handful of them passed, and Ruby Bridges was one of them. Ruby, the, the NAACP shows up at your doorstep in the summer to tell your parents that you've passed this test, and you're now allowed to attend William France Elementary School. I'm wondering how your parents responded to this news.
1: My mother was the one who really initiated this, and I think you know, for the most part, like most moms, they want you know the best for their children, and and not to say that my father didn't want that, but my father had just recently uh, gotten out of the service where he fought in the Korean War in a segregated branch of the military. Uh, he felt like if you could be on the battlefield next to a white soldier fighting for the same country. And yet, at the end of the day, if you lived, you couldn't go back to the same barracks together because he was Black and his counterpart was white. They couldn't eat in the same mess hall together. So he felt like, why send me to this integrated school facing all of the problems that could have happened because things wouldn't change anyway. Mm. And that's really how he felt but I do believe that they were very excited that I'd passed the test.
2: And, you know, your mom eventually convinces your dad, who's on the fence, right? And they do decide to enroll you in William France that fall. And, you know, I know there were delays because of increased resistance from opposition, but you do end up having an enrollment date of November 14th, 1960. And the night before your first day... Your mom tells you that you'll be joining a new school, but she doesn't tell you much more than that.
1: No, you know, and and I grew up in an era where, you know, you were seen and really not heard. I mean, we could not even be in the same room with adults when they were having grown-up conversation. It wasn't like they were going to sit me down and explain everything to me. You know, it was only... (laughs) On a need-to-know basis, that's, you know, how they felt. So the only thing they said is, Ruby, you're going to go to a new school today and you better behave. Now, I do remember taking the test, you know, weeks before, but I wasn't privileged to what the test was about, what all of that meant. I just knew that I was going to be going to a new school. And like most kids, you're a little bit nervous when you have to switch schools because you're going to leave your old friends and you know, and your teacher and the school that I had just gotten used to because I was only there for kindergarten. So uh, that was it. And and also, Ruby, you better behave. <laughs> mm. And that's what I was concentrating on is behaving.
2: I'm wondering, Ruby, if you can bring us back to that first morning when you were getting ready for your new school.
1: Well, I remember that morning uh, because I'd already had a, a first day. Mm. I'd had a first day the year before. And yet, this first day was totally different. You know, neighbors were coming over. My mother's uh, friends were coming to dress me for school. And, you know, I had all these beautiful new things to wear that really didn't happen when I started kindergarten. And it just seemed like the house was full of people. And it was all centered around me going to school. And so that in itself was very different. Did I feel special? Yes, I felt really special for some reason. As a matter of fact, in my tiny six year old mind, remembering the test that I had taken and how excited everybody was about the test, I really thought that the reason why this was so different and so many people were excited and uh, congratulating my parents and saying, oh my goodness, she's so smart. You know, I really felt like, okay, that test must have been so important. And no other kids could pass it. That now I am going from first grade straight to college. So I thought <laughs> I thought everybody was so excited because they just had never seen a six year old go straight to college. And uh, but you know that's the imagination of a child and the innocence that protected me during that time. Mm. So I remember that back and forth. And uh, then I remember the knock at the door and my parents opened the door and four very tall white men were standing at the door. And I remember they had these yellow bands on their arms and my thought then was, who are they? And not really knowing, but I remember the conversation. I remember them saying, we're U.S. Marshals, and we've been sent by the President of the United States. We're here to escort you and your daughter to school today. And even then, it just felt so important. I remember us getting into the car with them. Two of them sat in the front seat and two in the back. My mom and I got into the car with them, and we started this very short drive to my new school. And then even some of the neighbors, they seemed ready to go as well. And uh, we got in the car, we started to drive, and all of the neighbors actually walked behind the car. Wow.
2: Did the federal marshals give you instructions about, about what to do when you arrived at the school?
1: Not really me, but I overheard the conversation where they were talking to my mom about how mm. we should get out of the car. And you know, I remember them saying, this Bridges, we'll get out first. We'll surround you and your daughter. We want you to walk straight ahead and don't look back." Hmm. I remembered that. Um, I did see all of the people uh, standing out in front of the school when we drove up. But again, living here in New Orleans and being accustomed to Mardi Gras, you know something that. Every kid here in the city looks forward to. Um, when I saw all of the people and I saw barricades, you know uh, where the people were standing behind the barricades. I saw police officers on motorcycles and horseback. All of that actually happens during Mardi Gras. Mm. Because at any given time, you could be in your car and stumble into a parade uh, and you have to stay in your car and wait till the parade passes. So, you know, I say that to say that I did not feel a need to be afraid. Hmm.
0: That was a preview of A Slight Change of Plans from Pushkin Industries. Hear more from A Slight Change of Plans wherever you get podcasts.